You're listening to audio from Highland Baptist Church in Waco, Texas. To find out more about Highland, go to www.hbcwaco.org. Good morning to all who are here and all who are watching in the chapel, those who are watching online as well. We begin a a brand new series today, and I, I think it's a really important one because it's about our minds, our, our thinking, our thought. Um, what happens up here in our brain, it, it dictates every decision. It drives every single decision that, that we make. It always begins up, up here in, in the mind. Let me just start this entire six-week series by, by saying this. You might want to write this down somewhere, maybe. Every step toward godliness and every step toward sin begins with a thought. If you're going to move toward godly character, you're going to move toward Christ-likeness in your life, you're going to move forward in, in, in knowing God, that's going to take a thought before you even take a step toward godliness or, or godly choices. But the same thing happens with, with sin. If you're going to take a step away from God, if you're going to take a step toward sin, toward rebellion, toward godlessness, it's always going to begin with a thought. Um, Maybe another way to say this for all of you lawyers who are here or law school students or you watch Law and Order, all the same thing really. it's, It's simply this. Godliness is always premeditated. Sin is always premeditated. To, to choose the way of God, to, to, to be a disciple of Christ, to follow in the footsteps of Jesus, it begins, that action begins with the thought. Anytime you rebel against God, you break God's heart, you break God's law, you sin, it always begins with the thought. There are very few things in life that are involuntary. You know, a sneeze, um, a heartbeat, breathing, um, purchasing a cat like you would never do those things voluntarily at all that just kind of happens and with no forethought at all but really we think about it, almost everything in life that the vast vast majority of things in life happens because we made a decision it was it was a thought it was voluntary we have made a choice in our thinking and then we followed that thinking we followed that that choice and so when you choose anger or a critical word or gossip, it always begins with a thought. When you choose laziness or, or apathy, it always begins with a thought. If you choose pornography, um, sexual activity outside of the biblical parameters of, of marriage, it always begins with a thought. If you choose to be prejudiced or, or racist or filled with hate, it always begins with a thought. Now, the counter of that is, is true also, praise the Lord. When you choose to honor the Lord with, with your words or your attitude, it always begins with the thought. When you choose to act in service toward others, you, you choose to act in humility, it always begins with the thought. When you choose purity of the heart, purity of the eyes, uh, godly boundaries in your relationship, that always begins with the thought. When you choose to forgive or, or build a bridge across racial lines, or you choose to repent from prejudices, it begins with a thought. Oh, the power of our thinking. 
Every step toward godliness or every step toward sin will always begin with the thought. Here's what wise Solomon said in Proverbs chapter 23, verse 7. He said, as a man thinks, so he is. That's heavy. You are the product of what you think. Your thought patterns, your, your mind, the decisions that you make all can go back to, to a thought that you had. And the scripture says, as a man thinks, so he is. As a man thinks, that's who you are. So here's what that means, I think, if you want to put it down in, in three words. Thinking determines outcome. Our thought processes, our, our minds, our brains, the decisions that we make are based on the thoughts that we have. And, and those thoughts that our thinking determines outcome, not just the outcome of, of, of every day, but really the outcome of the entirety of your life. Thinking determines outcome. So what's going to need to change then if we want to change our behavior? Thinking. Nothing will be different until we think differently. That's how powerful and consequential the thoughts of the mind are. So today, as we begin this brand new six-week series, let's begin in the book of 2 Corinthians together. Would you turn to the book of 2 Corinthians with me in your copy of God's Word? It's the eighth book of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians. And let's get there together, the book of 2 Corinthians. As you turn there, let me just tell you, the Corinthians are the worst. (laughs) Like they they loved anything and everything sensual. Anything that amped up their flesh, they were all in for it. And God's going to show them, and I hope God's going to show us today, why thinking determines outcome. That all the problems of the Christians in Corinth... And all the problems of Christians in Waco, those problems start right up here with our thinking, our, our minds, our thoughts. Let's go to chapter 10. So 2 Corinthians chapter 10. And this is the only passage we're going to be in today. So go ahead and keep your Bible open once you get there, your smartphone, uh, your device uh, there to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. And we're going to begin in verse 3. The, the, the context of this passage is about, um, about our minds, about how we live life. It's a, it's a great chapter here, tucked away in the middle of 2 Corinthians. Verse 3, For though we walk in the flesh, and we get that, like we're all here today, we're, we're in the flesh, we have bodies around us. For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. So we destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take, here it is, every thought captive to obey Christ. There are four things I want you to see in this passage that the Bible says about our thinking. Four things to know about our thinking, about about your thoughts, about how our mind works and And God is so kind to us to remind us how we can live a life of victory when it comes to to our thinking. Our thinking, your thinking, will determine your outcome. Let's go back to verse 3 and pick up the first first thing we can learn about thinking. Verse 3, for though we walk in the flesh, though we walk in in, in the body, we, we came in today in the flesh, we are not waging war. We're not, we're not, we don't have battles this week according to the flesh, Here's what Paul is saying. Here's the first thing. Our battles aren't primarily physical. 
I know there are physical battles that, that we face, but when it comes to spiritual battles, that, that spiritual battle that rages in our mind, in our, in our thoughts, th- those are primarily not physical. They are primarily spiritual. So our battles aren't primarily physical. In other words, the battle is not with the computer screen. The battle is not even with the person. The battle is not with the prescription bottle. The, the battle is not with the big plate of food. The battle is not with the dollar bills. The, the, the battle is, is something that, that we battle against that we cannot see. The battle is not the lonely room. The battle is something we cannot see. You see, the battle is spiritual for the believer. It starts in our mind before it starts in the world. We are material people living in a spiritual world. And the reason this is so difficult for us is because it seems like everything that we battle against is physical. But Paul is saying to us right here, God is saying to us, the Holy Spirit is saying to Highland today, no, 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 understand your battles aren't just about physical things. In fact, they're not even about primarily physical things, but you're waging a battle that's not according to the flesh. Now I have four points today, and a lot of you are thinking, man, that sounds like a short sermon. Well, I'm going to kill you on the sub points. So I do only have four points, but here's a few sub points I want you to see as well. And this is under number one. We have mental battles. In fact, five, it seems like, all throughout Scripture. Five mental battles that seem like physical battles. These are battles that you and I fight every single day. And they, they seem and they feel and they look so physical. But I think what we need to understand here is that there are a lot of mental battles that we face that just seem like physical battles. Here's the first one. Behavioral problems. You know, being angry or abusive, or impulsive, or addicted to things, or disrespectful, those tend to play out in the physical realm with others, but every one of those problems, behavioral problems start with, with the mind, they start with, with thinking, they flow out of our, of our thought processes, they flow out of our brain. The second thing that that is a mental battle or a a, a spiritual war that seems like a physical battle is financial problems. It seems so tangible to us, you know, money in hand or credit card in hand or the things that we want to give in a transaction. And and often the financial problems, we tend to have financial problems in in four over words. We we over-worry, we don't have enough. We overspend, we, we think we have more than we do. We, we overstash, we overhoard, we, we hold on to things. Or we overestimate the joy that money will bring us. And so financial problems, you might be having financial problems, you will probably have financial problems one day, maybe you've had financial problems before. They, they seem like such physical battles and yet really they're, they're, they're mental battles. All these things flow from thinking. And the third one is relational problems. Maybe within a relationship or marriage or friendship that you're always pulling away or always realizing how self-centered you are or maybe you become deceitful in relationships or deceitful in friendships or just unkind with your words. Relational problems feel like such physical battles because we, we see the people in which we engage in that, in that battle and yet all of those problems actually flow from, from thinking. Attitudinal problems is the same thing. Maybe, maybe being pessimistic or, or negative all the time or petty. Maybe a very, very arrogant attitude or, or an apathetic attitude. Again, those kind of feel like 
physical battles, and yet every one of those battles, every one of those problems actually flow from thinking. And then lastly, the mental battle that that seems like a physical battle is is that moral problem or that moral dilemma. Do, Do I honor God with this decision or do I honor myself with this decision? It's that wrestling match. Do I worship God today? Do I worship myself today? I know what's right and what's wrong. Which one am I gonna choose today? Am I gonna choose right today or wrong today? And again, all of those might kind of feel like or seem like deceptively so that they're physical battles, but every one of them flows from thinking. You see, our battles aren't primarily physical. Go to verse three, please. For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. Here's the second thing I want you to know about about thinking as we ask God to change our minds. Number two, my weapon, I made this personal for you, my weapons for battle are spiritual. See, you're not in a physical battle, you're in a spiritual battle And if you're in a spiritual battle of your thoughts, of your thinking, of your mind, of your brain, your your patterns up there, then you don't need to to bring a physical weapon to a spiritual war. But fortunately, you do have a spiritual weapon. The weapons for your battle of the mind and your thoughts, they are are spiritual. Our, our, our Our real weapons belong to the Lord that he has given to us. The, the problem with that is all of us in this house, we often use flesh weapons for a spiritual war. And probably everyone here, we have a PhD in flesh weapons. Like we, we can use our flesh weapons. Uh, Paul lists those out for us over in Galatians chapter five. You don't have to turn there. I'll just tell you some of them. Anger, jealousy, division, impurity, drunkenness. Often we bring those flesh weapons into a spiritual battle. I mean, just think about, maybe think about a battle that you were facing this past week or this past semester, a battle you've been facing uh, since, since 2021 began. Often we bring flesh weapons into a spiritual battle. So something happens and we get angry or something happens and we're jealous that it's not happening to other people. Or maybe we go to substance abuse like drunkenness that the Paul talks about here. Or maybe we become so self-centered. That's another one of the, the flesh weapons that we often incorrectly use in a spiritual war. We begin to say, now why is this happening to me? Why does this impact me in this way? Or maybe we, we were, we're part of division or we're angry about it. Or again, maybe we're impure when in the middle of a, of a battle we become impure in our thoughts or impure in our actions or impure in our words. Listen, if you bring flesh weapons to a spiritual battle you will lose every time if you bring flesh weapons into a spiritual battle you will lose every time now now Paul right here does not tell us exactly what our spiritual weapon is right here but he does all throughout the rest of the New Testament Um, I'm thinking primarily of Ephesians chapter 6 verse 17 where he says our weapon is the word of God that's our weapon so we see here that that weapon then, in, in verse four, is, is, is able to, to have divine power. God's word has divine power. God's word is able to destroy then those, those strongholds. That means, sister and brother, our time in God's word is not just some warm moment we have. It's not just a, a, a photo op of, of our coffee and our Bible open for, for an Instagram picture. It's not just some devotional thought that's really shallow that gives us goosebumps for a few moments. No, time in God's word is battle. 
It is going into God's word and letting God's word renew our minds. This is what it also says in Ephesians chapter 6 in God's word. It's the washing of the word because our minds, our thought processes, they need the washing of God's word to clear out all the impurity of all the things that we have seen and all the things that we have done. So God's word comes and it helps us to think rightly. It helps us to think clearly. It helps us to think biblically. It helps us to think purely. So if you're not in God's word, you'll never change. If you're not in God's word, you're not allowing God's word to wash over your mind, your thinking, you'll just always be the same. If you're not in God's word, your thinking will never change and you'll just find yourself in the same sin cycle 10 years from now that you're in right now. Even worse, because sin always spirals downwardly. Here's the third thing. Destroying deep-rooted thinking is difficult. I hesitated saying that to you today because there's probably some here today that think, well, I don't want to do anything difficult. I like just coming to church and having someone tell me a few things and then I'll just kind of see you next Sunday. But if you're interested in, interested in having a different outcome in your life, you're interested in living differently than you do now, then it means you're gonna to have to think differently. And in order to think differently, you're gonna to have to destroy the deep-rooted thinking processes or thought processes that some of you have had for two years now or 10 years now or 30 years now. Why would I say destroying deep-rooted thinking is difficult? Because it says here, verse four, hope your Bible's still open, it's gonna take divine power to destroy those strongholds. Divine power, divine, um, theos. is the word, word for theology. So it means like divine from God. Um, you avenger people, Thanos gets his name from Theos, like a, a small g, God. And then the, the second word here, power, is, is dunatos. So Theos, dunatos. Dunatos is where we get our English word dynamite. So in order to like reprogram our thinking, it's going to take God's dynamite. It's going to take the explosive power of God. It's going to take divine power to do what? Look here, to destroy Strongholds, your Bible might say to demolish, to destroy, to demolish strongholds. What's a stronghold? It is a fortified fortress of thought processes in our mind. Some of you for many, many, many years have thought very little about yourself. And over five years and 10 years, over and over again, your thought process is, I am, I am nothing, I can't do anything. You get that over and over again, and it's not just one sermon on a Sunday morning, a 22-minute sermon that's like, okay, I'm, I'm thinking differently now. No, to, to destroy deep-rooted thinking, it's gonna be, it's a difficult task. But the goal right here, listen, is to, look at verse four, to destroy them. To destroy the, those thinking processes, those deeply rooted thought processes that some of y'all have had that are not biblical, not from God for many years. And listen, God's not asking us to trim them back. He's not asking us just to kind of limit the effect of these strongholds. He's not asking us just to consider what these strongholds have done in our lives. No, he is saying right here, I want you to demolish them. I want them to, you to root them out. I want you, verse 4, to destroy them. If you have a pen, just underline that word destroy in your Bible. Or if you're NIV, it might use the word demolish. Just underline that. That's, this is what God is asking 
that by his power we would destroy the strongholds in our lives. By his divine power, he might demolish the strongholds in our lives. And, and if, if your neighbor didn't do that, just reach over and underline it for them in their Bible. Just kind of lean over and go, hey, I saw you didn't do it, so I'm just going to do it for you. Let me just say that if you're not up for difficult things, you may want to skip Highland the next six weeks. If, if difficult's too difficult, then you may not want to be here. But I think a lot of us in this room, in this house, we understand how important it is that we allow God to begin to recalibrate our thinking. Because just in the last 15 minutes or so, some of you have been thinking, man, I had made some bad decisions. I've forgotten that all of them came from a thought. Some of y'all have been thinking the last 15 minutes or so, man, I've made some good decisions. I've been moving to the Lord. I forgot that any time I took a step toward godliness, it always began with the thought. If adjusting our thinking to right thinking was easy, people would be doing it all the time. Instead, you know what people do? They change jobs or change spouses or change churches or change environments or change their geography, or try to change their opinions, and the entire time what they needed to do was change their thinking. It begins in our mind. It's going to be difficult. But if you don't make some of those changes, if some of us in this house don't make some of those changes, we're going to be shipwrecked on those strongholds. And we will not move forward spiritually. Fourth thing, we see it in verse five. We destroy, there's that word again. It means to dethrone. It means to pull down. We pull down arguments. We destroy every lofty opinion that's raised up against the knowledge of God. And we take every thought, every thought captive to obey Christ. Here's the fourth thing. Every thought that is counter to God needs to be arrested. Every thought we have in our mind that is counter to God needs to be arrested. And Paul tells us really what those thoughts are. There's three thoughts here. We see under point number four, three things that need to be arrested or need need to be taken captive. The first one is the word argument. Um, Argument is the self-justifying reasons that we do what we do. That's what the word argument means. This, this somehow we have justified our own behavior. So it's almost like we're arguing against God. We might say things like this. Well, that's just the way I am. It's just the way I was brought up. It's just the way that I'm, I'm wired. My, my Enneagram is four or 99, whatever those numbers are. And, and that's just my background. That's just kind of the way I was brought up. That's what an argument is. It is justifying your behavior before God. And many of us probably at Highland today, we're struggling spiritually because we keep defending our patterns. We keep defending the way that we've been thinking for years now. The other thing that we need to arrest or take captive, verse 5, is a lofty opinion. That just means a puffed up, arrogant thought, probably that we have about ourselves. That's, that's, you know why we like opinions? Because they're our opinions. Oh, that's just my opinion. We even have in texting acronyms, IMO, in my opinion. Like we love our opinions. We love to hold on to those things. And yet here God's word calls those opinions so often lofty. They're, they're arrogant about ourselves. You think that you're crafty. You think that you're sly. You think that somehow you're better than others. You think that you're simply awesome. God's word says right here, you better destroy that thinking. 
You better demolish these lofty opinions that we have of ourselves. You better demolish these arguments that the self-justifying of our behavior. Here's the, the third thing. It says in verse five, and really anything that's been raised against the knowledge of God. That, that is such a huge category. It means anything that's godless. Anything that we might choose to do that is counter to God. Now, what do we do with all three of those things, with arguments and opinions and anything raised up against the knowledge of God, anything godless? Look what it says here. We take captive each thought. In other words, we arrest them. We take them prisoner. And we present them to Jesus. Let me own this one. You know the mistake I have made and will probably continue to wrestle with until the day they bury me. I think and then do. Now some of you say, no, that's unlike me. I, I say something, then I think about it. And that's actually impossible. Before you say anything, it began with a thought. Now some of you have the fine science of that being a really small, short thought, but it's amazing. Anytime you say something, you thought about it before. Anytime you do something, you thought about it before. So let me just own it. For, for me, my big struggle is I think and then I do. A lot of you probably in this house, same thing. You think, then you do. You think, then you act. You think, then you behave. Here's what God's word is saying. This is why this is difficult. It's a complete rewiring. Instead of think and do, it's think, stop. Do or don't do. Think, stop. And in that stopping, that's the arresting. That, that's taking captive. And that thought you're bringing to Jesus. Instead of think, do, and sometimes it's think and godliness, and often it's think and sin, God's word is telling us right here, I want you to think and stop and arrest that thought and take it captive and take it to Jesus and y'all converse about it and you hear his spirit and you hear his word and then you make a decision on what you're going to do or often not do. Let me wrap it up this way. To live differently. And I would imagine many of us in this place today, you came to church because you realized, Man, I want to look more like Jesus tomorrow than I did last Monday. I just want to grow. I want to be progressing in my walk with Christ. And so to live differently, you probably know this already, you must think differently. That's what we've been looking at this entire time. You will never change your actions. You will never change your living unless first you change your thinking. So to live differently, you must think differently. Now here's the next part of that. To think differently, which we've already determined that's going to be the key for us to live differently is to think differently. To think differently, and here's what we just saw, you must take arguments, opinions, and godless thoughts to Jesus. All of our self-justifying of our behavior, all the lofty opinions we have of ourselves, anything godless in our lives, any godless thoughts that we have, we need to take those things to Jesus. Again, it's not think, do, it's think, stop. Perhaps do, often don't do. But to do this, to do what? To take the arguments and the opinions and the godless thoughts to Jesus, to do this, you'll need to know Jesus. Otherwise, you're just stopping and thinking about it yourself and not bringing it to him. So Christian, you know what that means? We're going to need to know Jesus even more this week. 
When a thought enters our mind before we say something, before we do something, before we act on something, we need to take that thought to Jesus. Taking every thought, we arrest it, we take it captive, we bring it to the presence of Christ. Now, if you're not a Christian, here's what this means for you. You will never live differently because you can't think differently without the presence of Christ in you. So non-believer, would you turn to Jesus today? There's not just life in him. There's friendship with him. And in that friendship, in that relationship, you're able to bring every thought, arrest it, capture it, take it captive, take it to Jesus. Let's stop there. Would you stand with me, please? And let's pray together. Father, thank you for speaking to us today through your word. God, thank you for the minds you've given us. And God, we, we ask that you would rearrange our thinking patterns. God, we, I think most of us here, maybe every one of us here, we want to live differently, God. We want to, we want to choose godliness. We want to follow in the steps of Christ. So God, would you help us to, to root out these fortresses of poor thinking in our minds, these, these strongholds of bad thought patterns, God, that we just have held on to now for seasons and semesters and years. That by your divine power, by the power, explosive power of God, we would not just limit these strongholds, that we would destroy them, that we would completely demolish them. That, God, we might live in right thinking. Therefore, we might live in godly living. But this week, God, we're going to need to know you. And Father, thank you for making a way for us to know the Savior, to have such a friend like Jesus. Give us a grace this week to capture every thought and bring it to him. In Christ, we believe. In Christ, we pray. In Christ, we sing. Amen.